to the third episode of In the Limelight. I'm Sarah Aiken. And I'm Allie Moresco. Sarah and I are so excited today because we are talking to someone who is an expert on something. Just kidding. Really specific. I um, <laughs> love experts. We're talking to someone who is an expert on something that is crucial to people with Lyme disease and honestly just overall health. So we are talking to Sarah Greenfield of The Fearless Fig, and she is a gut health expert. So she studied nutrition at Penn State. She has worked at ton, a ton of hospitals, um, mainly around Los Angeles. She studied under a Lyme literate gut doctor. So as we know, in the Lyme space, gut health is crucial to us getting better. A lot of us are on gluten and dairy-free diets. So we are chatting her. We are chatting with Sarah about fiber, gut flora, you know, how the gut is connected to our brain, and of course, poop. I had my jaw on the floor basically this whole interview, so I don't think I I don't, I don't think I talked so much because I was just really enthralled with what she was saying. We really did learn so much in this episode and we hope you like it. Hi Sarah, thanks for joining us. Like what exactly is gut health and Sarah put it best like can you give us a mini gut health guide for dummies yes so gut health when i think about the gut i think about the digestive tract and basically the digestive tract goes from your for lack of a better way to put it from your mouth to your butt (laughs) you could be a little bit more like proper and say your anus but to me that word is like butt is perfect (laughs) it's really thinking about from your mouth your butt that's your digestive tract and so everything that happens from those two places is considered digestion so it begins with the food that you put in your mouth and what you're ingesting and actually your digestion process process starts in your mouth you have enzymes in your saliva and they start to break down carbohydrates or sugars so that's kind of like your first stage of digestion and then also chewing is really important i know a lot of times um different practices they're very focused on chewing your food Mm -hmm. and that's crucial for gut health and bloating and just feeling really great is making sure that you can break things down so when then it does get to your stomach your body has an easier time processing and absorbing those nutrients so that's another process of the gi tract is to really break down foods because we want to extract the nutrients out of the foods that we're eating that's why it's so important to eat healthy because that is the key to accessing nutrients and that's what our digestive tract does and then more importantly we want to access them but then we also want to pull them into our bodies because if you have them in your GI tract and you're not absorbing it they're just going to be eliminated so absorption of nutrients and that's done through different enzymes and I think it's important to also mention the microbiome or probiotics that's another really popular big kind of health keyword but that's really important you have bacteria in your gut you actually have more bacterial cells in your gut than we do human cells which is a whole other conversation of the mind-gut connection but within our digestive tract in our gut there are bacterial cells that are helping us break down our food they're signaling to our brain they are doing so many different things. They're helping us absorb nutrients. So those are really, really crucial and a big part of digestion. And then ultimately, we need to eliminate things and get rid of 
things that we don't need or toxins and that's why having a bowel movement daily is so important because it is a way to clear out the things our bodies no longer need and also a really important way to detoxify so that's kind of the overview of your gut or digestion and, and very basic idea of what things are doing along along the whole digestive tract that makes a lot of sense and i think you actually kind of just answered our second question which was why is gut health so important because it's just crucial to our whole system yeah and i think another really powerful fact that i always like to talk about is we think about you know our bodies are exposed to an external environment and we want to protect ourselves from certain things but that actually the biggest part of our bodies that are exposed to our external environment is our digestive tract a lot of people would think no wait but what about the skin isn't that like the biggest surface area doesn't that have the most exposure but it's not, it's our digestive tract. There's way more surface area there. And everything that you're putting into your mouth is an external, is from our external environment. So our gut has to regulate and decide what actually is allowed to go into our bodies and what needs to stay in the GI tract and be eliminated. So that is like, when I, when I figured that out, I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. Because it really does emphasize the importance of your gut health. And we talked about just when I was talking about the, just how the gut functions, this idea of absorption and what goes into our body. I love the saying, you are what you eat, but if you want to get even nerdier and take it a step further (laughs) and put it in the context of gut health, you are what you absorb because you can eat all of these beautiful things. But if you're inflamed, if you don't have proper enzymes, if you have an imbalanced gut microbiome, you're not going to absorb any of that. So all of a sudden, all of these key beautiful nutrients are just going to be eliminated. So you are what you absorb is another really important concept. And then I mentioned briefly, and I don't think I'll go too far into it, but this communication channel we have between our gut and our brain is huge. And really, we're seeing things like anxiety and some mental disorders are actually highly influenced by our gut microbiome and that bacteria that we have in the gut and the communication pathways and what they're telling our brain. Mm -hmm. And I said earlier, we have more bacterial cells than human cells. So it's kind of like, well, who's, who's in control? Who's actually calling the shot? Because, you know, is our bacteria telling our brain how to function or is our brain, you know, viewing things and telling our, our body how to function? So it's a really fascinating question um, Mm -hmm. that you can kind of go really deep into. And also our immune systems are housed in our gut, which is why gut health is so important. In order to fight off the external environment and to stay healthy, you need to have a really strong immune system. And this communication, back to the communication, we have 90% of serotonin or a feel-good hormone is actually made in our gut. So that's another huge, huge kind of insight where it's like, okay, so the gut and the mind are really talking to each other through different hormones, through different pathways. It's really, really fascinating. So that's, I think, just, you know, in the context of Lyme, it's very important, but everybody, for everyone, gut health is critical. This is fascinating. We're both sitting over here, like, with our jaws to the floor. (laughs) Like, we're both speechless. This never happens. It's so good. (laughs) I... about because it's a I don't want to say it's an easy place to start because there's 
so many complexities when it comes to digestive health. And actually, I think um, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. And the research that's coming out and the focus that's been on digestive health is just, there's a lot more research being done now. So I think there's, people are turning their attention more towards the gut and being like, oh, Mm -hmm. if we focus on this and understand what's going on here, we can actually unlock a lot of secrets and, you know, questions to what the heck is happening? Why is our society so sick? So when was the moment that you realized that gut health was crucial to patient care? So I think intuitively, I always kind of knew about it just because it was always just such a fascination of mine. And, and the idea that we're every, you know, every day we're going to the bathroom and we're getting this like window into our internal body. And I was always very fixated by that concept. I was like, that's so crazy. And that you can tell, I mean, your poop doesn't look the same every single day. So there's definitely some key things that are happening when you get sick your poop changes. When you're on medication, it can change depending on what you eat, um, if you're traveling. So it's always shifting and changing. And if you eat a lot of spinach, all of a sudden your poop is green. Or if you have beets, it's red. And people are like, oh my God, I'm dying. (laughs) You just had had beets. So I think just, I don't want to call it like a fixation, but just this fascination with a window into your health being something that we have access to daily that I don't think a lot of people look at was probably where I started to realize that it was important and then as I've gone through my education as a dietitian and more recently a functional medicine practitioner that's when it gets really good because now we're looking at disease and we're connecting it back to the gut so I recently had a patient that had thyroid issues and the only way that we can correct and start to impact the way this person feels and their thyroid health is to fix the gut. If you are diabetic, if you have, if you're obese, there's all of these things that are pointing back to inflammation and specifically inflammation in the gut. So the more I learn and the more I look at disease processes and just the way our bodies are reacting everything comes back. It's always like coming back to the gut. How's the gut functioning? And really in functional medicine, if you don't fix the gut, you cannot move forward and effectively fix anything else. And I look at, you know, where we are now in conventional medicine is really, we're really advanced. And the things that we can do in conventional medicine, they're amazing, but they're not looking at root cause they're kind of putting band-aids on things and saying, okay, well, you have this symptom, here's a pill. You're feeling this way, here's what you should do. But it's not, well, why? Why do I have high blood pressure? I don't know, but here's a medication. Well, you know, like, but but why? And it's like, well, let's look at your nutrient status. Do you have low B6? Do you have low magnesium? Like, even these, like, tinier questions that we can ask to identify root causes. Are you absorbing your nutrients? (laughs) You know, these simple things that we can ask that really have a profound effect because as you look at the body and as you see everything's interconnected, you realize that nutrient status is also everything because your B vitamins set up the way that your energy is produced and how your liver detoxifies and how neurotransmitters are made. So it's all really highly connected, but it all can be kind of back to the basics. Are you absorbing it? Are you getting enough nutrients? How's your gut? Absolutely. I love what you just said about 
um, kind of doctors and like medical professionals just looking to put band-aids on things because that, I mean, I, it took me two years to get diagnosed with Lyme, um, because nobody would like look for it. And I know a lot of people like me with Lyme have the same story, which is really sad, but I definitely like connect with that statement. And that's why like now I find gut health so interesting because I stopped eating like gluten and dairy and soy and corn and sugar. And it just, even just that made such a huge difference for me health wise that I now am like kind of a gut freak. Um, And I think I wish that more people were, I don't want to say educated like you, because I know all doctors are very highly educated and nutritionists, but I just wish that they had the same outlook as you. And I think, I think it's kind of trending. I feel like overall, at least what I see, is that people are becoming more empowered in their knowledge and just all of the social media that we have. We just have access to so much information. So I think people are becoming more aware that, you know, just taking a medication isn't the best way to fix things. Yeah. So I think that awareness is starting. But it is such an important conversation to have. And I don't want to knock doctors or anyone because I think that what they do and they're very much so trained in medicine and they're looking at people in a way that categorizes them with disease definitions. So, you know, you look at someone, how do you diagnose diabetes? Do they have elevated hemoglobin A1C? Is their BMI a certain level? Like, so there's different ways to categorize But what happens is we have all of these people that fall into this category of optimal wellness. And so when you think about optimizing your wellness, that's a completely different conversation than clinically diagnosing you for disease. Absolutely. So if a doctor can't give you a disease diagnosis, then a lot of times they're like, well, I don't know. And that's what we see a lot in the GI world in gastro with gastroenterologists. They get a lot of patients that conventional medicine doesn't really know what to do with. And this is actually, there was a question you had mentioned about um, a doctor that I've worked with that specializes, he's a GI doc, but ended up being very involved in the Lyme's community because he was getting all of these patients that were being misdiagnosed by conventional medicine because they were just saying, oh, well, they have IBS. And they were getting shipped off to him and being like, well, we don't know what to do. And so the more digging that he did and the more exploration, he was finding that a lot of these GI issues, the bigger underlying cause was actually Lyme's disease. So that's yeah. where he kind of kicked off into this new phase of his practice where it's all about, well, is it Lyme's? Is it is somebody exposed to something that's really, you know, affecting their, their gut? And so again, <laughs> all going back to the gut. And really, you know, just seeing it all kind of work together is really fascinating. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. Um, I know you and I, Sarah, for those of us listening, Sarah and I chatted on the phone a few weeks ago, and we had talked about this Lyme literate doctor who, of course, I have Lyme brain and cannot remember what his name was um, that you worked under. So how did he kind of help to shape your opinion on Lyme? Just because I know a lot of people don't share the same opinions as us on Lyme and people say that it like doesn't exist past 30 days and like all these crazy things. Um, but you seem to be just so well-versed on the issue. Yeah. And I would, I would say a lot of my knowledge, like he, 
when when you talk about someone that's knowledgeable, um, his name is Dr. Rabar, and he's an integrative gastroenterologist. And um, like I said, I, when I first started working with him, he was very focused on um, gut disorders and looking at bacterial overgrowth, things like SIBO, and talking about low FODMAPs, and really just trying to figure out bacteria-wise what's going on in someone's gut. But he was finding all of these people that had Lyme disease, and the more he tested, the more he realized the connection between the two. And he's kind of gone off into this whole other um, angle of health looking at through the lens of Lyme disease and saying, you know, actually, this is probably the most important thing to be testing people for and to be alerting people to are these these diseases that different ticks are carrying because there's other ones outside of Lyme's. Um, I don't know as much about it as he does, really, but he was just finding so many connections between this, you know, we're talking yeah. about optimal wellness and people coming in with these things that couldn't be diagnosed and connecting it back to different tick-borne illnesses, which is really fascinating because now it's looking at it almost from an infectious disease standpoint and how is this really becoming more and more prevalent in our society and what are the implications for what it's doing to our health? Yeah, it's just wrecking our health, unfortunately. And so it's just being misdiagnosed because a lot of times you come in and if you have the symptoms of like brain fog or I'm tired and most of the doctors are like, well, your blood works fine. So, yeah. you know, I don't know what to tell you. It's hey, I get it. <laughs> yeah. And Sadly. I that, that makes me so angry when a doctor or some a medical professional would say, well, it's in your head. Because it's not. If somebody's coming to you and saying, I don't feel well, then that's the baseline of your investigation. Why don't they feel well? And getting to that root cause. That's like one of the things I always ask all my patients. And that kind of like the core question is, how are you feeling? Or when was the last time you felt well? And then we can go and start from there. Because it's not about me telling you how to feel. It's about how do you feel? Totally. Oh, well, let's figure it out. I love that. It's not me telling you how to feel. Yeah. Because it's true. It's amazing. We talked about this actually in our first ever episode. We talked about things that we hate when people say to people with Lyme disease. And that was like our number one thing. is like, you don't look sick. You must not be sick. <laughs> oh, this, this is like totally off topic, but kind of funny in that capacity. I had a client that went to her doctor and said she was concerned she was parent um going through menopause and she was just looking at her body and it was shifting and changing and she was gaining weight in a way she never had before and the doctor said to her well that's just your metabolic destiny oh (laughs) Oh my my god that That kills me why like like the disconnect and again i'm not knocking on doctors yeah they're incredible at what they do and they have transformed our health in many, many ways, but just in certain capacities when it becomes really disconnected from your patient as a human and the person that has a voice. Like, when you say, like, that's your metabolic destiny. Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But, (sighs) All right. I, oh, speaking of stress, (laughs) Um, on your website, you talk about um, de-stressing your gut. What are the best ways to de-stress your gut? So I really see, I I always say the 
people that have the highest levels of stress are also the people that have the worst digestion. Mm, it interesting. Really goes hand in hand. So one of the big things that I focus on within my practice when I work with people is always, always, always talking about stress and stress management. I think that we're often taught that stress is just part of your day-to-day life. And if you're a career-focused person, if you're driven, then that kind of equals stress. And it's just not the case. It's such a, it's such a bad – I mean, if you think about stress, it's a physiological response. So your body's actually reacting and producing hormones in relation to stress. And we're just in a day and age right now where our stress is just on all the time. So really figuring out how do you kind of pull back and turn things off. That illicit stress is really important for your gut. And doing things, I mean, so many people talk about meditation, but it really is a beautiful thing because it allows your body to calm down and it calms your nervous system and if you think about things that excite your nervous system that will also excite your gut so that it can increase peristalsis or the way that food's moving through and a lot of times lead to diarrhea it can just interrupt the way we're breaking things down which leads to bloating I find so many people have bloating issues and I always always I can't stress enough how important it is to I can't stress enough it really, it really is. It's a physiological response. So we have to, you know, it's like eating a lot of sugar is going to impact your hormones. So it's the same thing. If you're stressed all the time, it's going to impact your hormones and the way that your gut is functioning. So anything that you can do to manage stress, like meditation, I love adult coloring books. I know they're so silly, but no, I love them too. It's so relaxing, especially like when I tell, if somebody is like very type A, which is me, and, and us. <laughs> you know, it's like meditate. And someone's like, yeah, I am going to sit and like not do anything for five minutes or quiet my mind. That's kind of a crazy, a crazy request. Well, coloring is kind of the next best thing because you're still doing something productive, but you're totally relaxed. So Absolutely. Love that. Breathing is a really good way to change your biochemistry and that's going to impact your gut. Huh. So I think about a stress gut as a stress person and what can you do to manage that? Like what I always call it your stress toolbox. What are the things that you can put in your toolbox? So when stress does happen, what are those things that you lean on to bring it down? That makes a lot of sense. And honestly, that is so much simpler of an explanation than I thought it was going to be. Cause when I was reading about de-stressing your gut, like all this other more technical stuff comes up. Um, that obviously I didn't understand. And when I was looking at on your website, I was like, oh, I wonder what this is about. But it's so nice to hear that just kind of trying to de-stress your mind and de-stress yourself as a being um, will help your gut. Um, Another thing that I saw on your website, Fearless Fig, was something about repopulating and balancing your gut flora, which I do not understand. I take strong probiotics. (laughs) I try my best. Um, but like, what are some other ways to kind of like balance our gut flora and what exactly even is that for the people listening? Yeah. So your gut flora is basically those healthy bacteria or the healthy bacteria we have in our digestive tracts or probiotics. And we have so many different strains of bacteria, different types of bacteria. We have good bacteria. We have bad bacteria. 
So really what you want, when I talk about balancing your gut flora, that really means having the right balance of good bacteria so that it can keep that bad bacteria at bay. And that's really important. We can't eliminate all the bad bacteria that we have in our gut because that's just, that's just how we're, <laughs> we're designed. But if we elevate, or like you said, take a strong probiotic to make sure that we have higher levels of good probiotic, then we're keeping that bad one, you know, we're keeping it at a point where it doesn't overgrow. And when you see things, when you have bad bacteria kind of overgrow and outweigh the good bacteria, you get things like cavities. Cavities are obviously in our gut from our definition, your gut starts in your mouth. So when you have this imbalance where the bad bacteria can grow, you're going to get something like cavities. If you go further down your GI tract, ulcers in your stomach can be from bad bacteria overgrowing. And then we go into the intestines and bad bacteria can be in the form of small bacterial overgrowth like SIBO or um, another term I think a lot of people maybe maybe are symptom of this imbalance in your gut. So really the best way to repopulate is to take a strong probiotic. That's a wonderful way to do it. Focusing on getting more fermented foods. I think a lot of us don't, it's just not part of our diets to eat fermented foods and a lot of the foods that we have access to are pasteurized or pasteurized, which means the bacteria is essentially cleared out of there, bad and good. So um, sauerkraut is a really good food that's fermented. Kefir is a great fermented food. Miso, kombucha, to some extent, that's a that's like a whole other topic, but <laughs> lower lower sugar versions of kombucha. So you want to try and aim for two grams of sugar or less per serving. That's always a, a good kind of way to do it. Um, pickles are really great. There's a product, a company called Farmhouse Cultures, and they have this product called Gut Shot, which I really like because it's literally just like, it's kind of like liquid pickle juice, but it's a really good way to get adequate probiotics, and you just take it as a shot, and you're you're good to go. Huh. Uh, so that's really good. And then there's this other, uh, I'm almost like, I almost don't want to mention it because it's so expensive, but it's so delicious, and it's called Coconut Cult. Oh, I have been seeing everyone on social media post about that. I have been so curious. It's so good, which is why I, like, don't get it. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's an expensive habit. But, I mean, you're eating, I think they say, like, a tablespoon a day. Okay. And, um, again, another another thing I always say is you can't put a price on your health. Because it's going to happen. Like, if you can invest now, then you'll prevent things further down the road. But coconut cult is really fantastic. It's it's like a it's very weird because you're going into it thinking, oh, I'm gonna have coconut yogurt, but it's very bubbly and it's huh. very fermented and it's very good. That is so interesting. I didn't yeah. honestly even realize that coconut cult was a like a probiotic. I just thought it was yogurt from what people were posting. So that's good to know. Yeah, it's more of a probiotic than anything else. So you're actually not supposed to eat a lot of it or you're supposed to start out with a small amount because it is such a rich probiotic food that wow. if you're not used to all of that, it could give you a little bit G- a little bit of GI distress. <laughs> so you want to like... Well, that's not good. Kind of get there. Um, I think also, so we talked about probiotics and the idea of balancing out your gut flora. I think I would like to mention prebiotics because I think those often don't get the... 
the love that they need. And prebiotics are really important fuel for your probiotics. And that's um, something like inulin is a prebiotic. Dandelion leaves or dandelion mm. root have really good prebiotics. Anything that's kind of fiber-based is going to be really good fuel. There's another fiber, acacia fiber, which is really good to feed your gut microbiome. So you want to think about kind of, you know, you have your good stuff, how can you feed it? And that's another reason why they always say eat lots of fruits and vegetables because that's going to give you good fuel for, for your gut. So speaking about things that are good and bad for us, <laughs> you talk about sugar being like a drug and there being a dealer on every corner. So, which I love, by the way. I think that's like the greatest. I know. I've never heard a better relation, honestly, in my life. It's so true because I feel like it's very addictive. But those with Lyme can't have sugar due to the disease feeding off of it, which is obviously extremely difficult for people as it is a drug. So what are some ways to more or less become less addicted to sugar? Very good question. And this is a very popular one. I think sugar addiction just runs rampant. And it's such an acceptable drug because it is everywhere and it's in everything. Like if you get really, if you start to be like, okay, I'm going to eliminate sugar. And then you look at foods that you're eating. It's like, oh my God, it's in everything. So I think really, number one, what's really important is to create an awareness. That's a really good place to start. And just if you're coming to the table with, okay, I'm going to try and kick the sugar addiction, the best place to start is to understand why you're craving sugar. There's a lot of different reasons other than the fact that, yes, it's highly addictive, but it's highly addictive because it influences our mood. So a lot of times if you start to find you're craving sugar, ask yourself, why? And oftentimes you'll find that maybe you're unhappy in that moment, or maybe you're really stressed out, or maybe you're bored. So sometimes just having that conversation with yourself, just asking, why am I craving it? And seeing what that uncovers can be really powerful, because I, I will guarantee you that you will find a reason why you're doing it other than just like... I want it because it tastes good. And then I think the other part that's really important too is thinking about what you ate throughout the day because this has a really big impact physiologically on our blood sugar. So once your blood sugar starts to drop, your body is going to feel as though it's hungry and it's going to start to crave things. If it drops too low, you get to a point where you're like, I need to eat. I don't care what it is. And your body's like, I want sugar and carbs because that's going to raise my blood sugar really quickly. And the way that I do that with my clients is I focus on fat, fiber, and protein. Those are the things that are going to keep you full and keep your digestion at a normal rate. So I think it's real. the easiest place to start for most people is thinking about breakfast. Are you getting enough fat at breakfast time? I bet most people will say no. Are you getting enough protein at breakfast time? Again, most people will probably say no. Are you getting enough fiber? Probably not. So smoothies in the morning are a really great way to hit all of those needs and to balance your blood sugar. When you start the day with something that's going to keep your blood sugar more balanced, it's going to help you from craving these sugars in the afternoon or craving them at nighttime because you've already set yourself up to have this really balanced blood sugar throughout the day. Um, sorry, like going back to sugar for two seconds. So I, mm -hmm. I take a lot of pills and I am a sissy pants and cannot swallow my pills. So I used to take them in applesauce 
And originally I was taking them in like Mott's applesauce and I'm not supposed to have sugar. And then I learned that each of those little, you know, packs has like 19 grams of sugar or something insane in them. Um, and then, you know, you go to the organic one and it has like 12 grams or something. But I remember talking to my mom about it and being like, why does a Mott's applesauce that like normally we're putting in a kid's lunch have so much, so much sugar in it? It was just mind blowing. Um, but I know like you coach a ton of people with nutrition and getting their bodies back on tracks, um, inside and out. So what are the most common mistakes that you see when you're coaching people when it comes to nutrition? Just so like we kind of know to look out for it. Okay. So I think number one is counting calories. I think the idea that calories in equals calories out. And if you exercise, you get more calories. Like, no. Calories are not, in my opinion, the right way to go. I think they're a good, they can be a good reference point, but counting calories is, I just, I, I think that's kind of a dated way to do it. And if you can focus on quality, listening to someone, listening to your body, knowing what it needs, seeing, you know, instead of being so fixated on, did I eat this amount of calories? But really, like, am I satiated? How are my clothes fitting? Those are things that are a little bit less, they're just better way to measure and they're not so like they don't take the joy I find the calorie counting kind of takes the joy out of eating and it's something we have to do every day and it's something we should enjoy and it's a way to fuel our bodies and to energize ourselves and to feed ourselves and to fuel our gut so it's really important that we don't make this a tedious process so calorie counting is out um, I think if you're working with someone that's only focusing on food that's also not the best either because it's not just about what you eat it's really about we talked about stress that's huge if you're not talking to somebody about their stress levels and you're trying to change you know the way their body is holding on to fat or the way they feel or the way their gut is functioning you're not going to get anywhere another one is sleep and sleep hygiene if you're not resetting your body and you're not giving it the time to detoxify if you're not giving it it's you know six to eight hours that it needs to really rebalance cortisol levels and hormones. Um, that's a big miss. <laughs> so really just focusing on food. There's so many other things that make up our lifestyle and that make up health. You have to focus on that, have to talk about it. I think another big one is utilizing supplements. I know a lot of dietitians will stay away from supplements because the idea is you can get everything you need from a healthy and balanced diet. I, I just don't think that's the case anymore. Um, our food system and supply is very different than it was 50 years ago. And if you look at nutrient levels, they're just not the same as they were. So having a multivitamin or, you know, looking, doing a blood profile on someone and seeing what their nutrient levels are is so important because you can say, all right, well, maybe you're getting headaches because you're actually low in magnesium and we'll add in some magnesium. So I think the idea, at least having the conversation and being open to supplements is really important. Um, fearing fat. So I just talked about how important fat is for stabilizing blood sugar. If you ever hear somebody tell you to do a low-fat diet or to eat less fat, run away. <laughs> That's like so old-school thinking. So I think we talked about this, obviously, at the beginning of the podcast. But we want to talk a little bit more about poop. So, yay! I know our favorite topic today. Um, or all the time. I think it's fascinating. 
So fiber regulates the body and there are obviously a bunch of different types of fiber. So what should we look out for when buying products with fiber in them? Because I don't, I like when you go to the grocery store, even at Whole Foods, there's a million different things, you know, if, if you're not gluten-free, it's like a lot easier, but like Kellogg's has like a fiber cereal bar and like there's X, Y, and Z, but how do you really know if you're getting a good source of fiber? So I always go back to the basics. If you're eating fruits and vegetables, I usually challenge people. Well, I guess we can even just say vegetables. Most people don't eat enough vegetables in the day. So I think a really important question you can ask yourself is when you sit down to eat a meal, can I add more vegetables to this? And if the, an- the answer will be yes. And so thinking about ways that you can do that is going to give your body more fiber. Um, looking at, you know, anytime you see something that has added fiber, it's not necessarily that it's bad, but now you're looking at a processed food. So what else is in there? And can you do, can you find a cleaner option or can you find something different? Can you make it yourself? Those are always really important questions because we can get adequate fiber from whole foods or things, you know, like grains are a really good source of fiber. So making sure you're getting brown rice and quinoa and things like that and fruits and vegetables that in and of itself is enough to get you to the recommended amount, which I believe is like 25 to 35 grams of fiber per day. But really focusing on those vegetables and increasing those is a really, really good place to start. Okay, good to know. Now we know about fiber in our poop. Um, (laughs) We will also be forming a new girl band. Just kidding. It us. Hey, I'll be the rapper in the back. We're going to be famous. Um, This is our last question before we're done torturing you. But many... No, this isn't torturing. (laughs) Maybe we'll have to do a part two then because I feel like I could talk to you for hours. I know. I I was looking at your website and I was like, I have so many questions. I know. Oh, I love it. I mean, this is is everything. This is what health is built on, so ask away. (laughs) Perfect. Um, So last but not least, a lot of us that have Lyme and I think any chronic illness, we get really sick, so aka like abnormal poop, um, from the amount of just like medications we take and our treatment. And it's kind of unavoidable sometimes. Are there any recommendations on things like we could be doing or things we could add into our diet or take out of them that can kind of help with that? Yeah, so this is a good, a good question. And I think when I, when I think about how do you support your overall health, and I mean, there's medications that you're going to have to be taking. We know that. So how can you support your body's ability to detoxify and just make sure, again, that we're in this optimal wellness area? And one of, I think, the most obvious ones is make sure you're going to the bathroom. Yes. If you are constipated, if you're not going to the bathroom, I I like to say every day is a good goal. I think some people say you have to go every time you eat, and that's like, that's great, but that's not the norm for most people. I think norm is going once a day. And if you are feeling nauseous or if you do feel sick, I think ginger is a really, really great anti-nausea. We were using it actually when I was working in the hospital as an anti-nausea for people after they were going through chemo. Oh, wow. It's really helping. You can do like ginger chews or ginger tea. So that's another great one if you have an upset stomach. Uh, I just, I love it. I think it's so great. And I think, 
you know, it's really, really important that we continue to have these conversations and create the awareness around the importance of gut health. Because the more that I find that we become empowered as, I don't want to say consumers, but I guess consumers within the medical space, the more we can stand up for our health and say, like, these are the things we need and this is what we want to look out for and this is how we want to be healthy. We don't want to, you know, necessarily go down all of these conventional paths, but we want to really support ourselves and optimize wellness. Thank you, and thank you so much for reaching out. I think this is a really important topic, and it's really fun to talk about it, and it's just so great. I love that you guys are doing this. No, it totally is, and we'll definitely see, like, what questions come in um, from people through GLA and just on social media, and maybe next season we can do a episode two with yes. you. All right, we will let you go because I know it's Friday night, um, so thank you for taking the time to talk to us. All right, sounds good. Have a great weekend. You too. You too. Bye, Sarah. Bye. Hey, guys. Sarah and I have some exciting news. Drum roll. We are doing our first live podcast experience. It will be at Zany's November 30th with a portion of proceeds going right back to Global Lime Alliance. Alex, who are we interviewing? So we are interviewing comedian hypnotist Chris Jones. He is way too famous to be in the same room as us. Um, He's the guy that hypnotized Howie Mandel in America's Got Talent. He's been on a ton of TV since. And we are going to be chatting with him about using comedy to get through depression and kind of everything that goes along with that. We can guarantee that there will be tears, there will be laughs, there will be everything else. The drinks will be flowing. Basically, it will be a roller coaster of emotions, but a great roller coaster of emotions. And not a roller coaster that Chris hypnotized you to be on. (laughs) I know. If you've been to one of his shows, you will get that joke instantaneously. (laughs) But maybe if you want to be hypnotized, Chris can do something. (laughs) We will find out. If you have any suggestions for questions for Chris, please tweet us at Allie Team Resco and at Sarah Aiken. And as always, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes so that you don't miss an episode. Never miss an episode. That's the golden rule of listening to us. Sacrilege. Sacrilege. (laughs) Uh, All right, guys, we're cutting ourselves off now, literally and figuratively. We will hopefully see you at Zany's November 30th. Thank you. Bye.